a switchyard park, and it was a blast. It was so much fun, um, even with the rain rolling in. I mean, we were able to give away some water and uh, pray with some some people, a couple of people, and um, it was just uh, uh, it was. Uh, it, it was amazing. Then after a little while, the rain kind of rolled in and was off and on for a while. But we still had bl- a blast. And you know why? Because everywhere a believer goes, we carry the presence of God with us. We have God residing in us. So uh, everywhere we go, whether we go, whether there's one of us, two of us, three of us or 3,000 of us, the presence of God goes with us. So when you go to the grocery store, you take the presence of God with you. When you go to work and go into your office or wherever you work, you take the presence of God with you. And the forces of darkness take notice of that. Light always chases dark. Dark never chases light. And when you... When you walk into a room with the presence of God, I mean, the, the, the spiritual world takes notice that there is, you know, someone representing Jesus Christ here. So when we went into the park, whether we were passing out waters, taking the coolers, you know, out along the trails to give out more waters or passing out, you know, the freeze pops to the kids and all of that, uh, uh, and oh, it was it, the, one of the neatest things was seeing one of the you know a couple of the kids you know going up to people. Would you like some water? Who's gonna you know the, the little kids' face is so cute. Who's gonna turn away free water with from you know one of those kids? You know, would you like some water? Oh, melted heart. Yes, I would. Um, anyway, so we had a we we had a lot of fun. A lot of building community in the church. Uh, it was just. So, so good, not to mention the uh, donation of the, uh, that uh, somebody in the church brought Crescent Donuts for breakfast and then Buffaloes for lunch. Whew, boy, that was really good. So, those things. Um, so, um, anyway, what was I saying? Just giving a recap of the, uh, uh, of the day. It was a lot of fun. We had a great, I mean, a great turnout. I can't remember how many we counted were there, but it was between 20 and 30, I think, something, you know, along that range, so it was really, uh, it, it was good, it was a lot of fun, so anyway, it was a great time of, once it started raining, you know, we'd be under our canopy, so no, when nobody was walking by, we were just sharing with each other and having great time of community. Speaking of community, let me segue into our next announcement, which is, um, family night. We have scheduled another family night. I know several of you have been asking, man, I wish we could do that again. I want to do that again. That's a week from this Wednesday night, August 11th at 6.30 here in the building. We are scheduling another family night, and it's just what family night is for those that, that maybe weren't a part of it the last time. Uh, we come together, bring a, a, a dish to share I mean, a dish with food in it, not just an empty dish, you know. Here, you can use my dish. Use a dish to share. My daughter's rolling her eyes. Use a, a, a dish to share, uh, and uh, uh, we all just, we have a meal together. There's games for the kids, all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, we've had everything from bowling in here to who knows what else. Uh, we had uh, cornhole and, you know, a lot of different things uh, to do, and, and just a time of being with each other 
and sharing in fellowship together, sharing around our, our commonality that we have in Jesus Christ and just, just being with each other. You know, we went for so long without that ability to do that. And, and we pray we don't get into that situation again. We are praying that. But uh, anyway, Wednesday night, uh, 6.30. And, oh, um, there just may be a special prize or a special um, surprise in store for that night. So I'll just, you know, tease you with that. Uh, there just may be a special surprise for everyone. So anyway, uh, one other announcement, and that is that uh, those um, who are SACAM alumni, who are School of Kingdom Ministry alumni, are requested to have uh, meet with Susie in the church fireplace room, uh, which is that corner straight through there in that wing uh, immediately after service for a very, very short meeting, very brief meeting. Uh, so those of you that are uh, graduates of school of and alumni of School of Kingdom Ministry, right after service, meet with Susie um, in, in the fireplace room. So uh, with that, uh, we are going to move on. If, if you brought your tithe and offering to, uh, to worship with this morning, then you can drop it off on your way out in one of the black boxes. We have three ways you can give. Uh, and so one is the through the black boxes. If you have a check or, or cash or whatever, you want to uh, put it in there on your way out. Uh, or you can go to our website, bloomingtonvineyard.com, click on the Give button and uh, follow the prompts, very easy. Or you can mail it to our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 3277 here in town, and the zip is 47402. So either of those three ways, giving is an important part of our worship. And sometimes it can be the hardest part, right? But it's an important part of our worship because we show that we are surrendering everything we have to him. And, you know, when we give our tithes, we give that first 10% that he's, you know, that we've earned. And, you know, he's gracious enough to let us use the 90%. You know, he could have done it the other way around. I'm glad I don't have to pay my bills with the 10%. He lets me pay my bills with the 90%, you know. So uh, with that, uh, I just want to... Uh, uh, let you know the diff three different ways to worship uh, through your giving. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word, we know that your word is life. We know that your word is truth. And so we open our ears and we open our hearts to hear you. We don't want to hear man's ideas. We don't want to hear conjecture. We don't want to you know, here, Lord, we want to hear what you are saying to us, so we open ourselves to you uh, right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing our journey that we've been taking through the first of the Apostle John's letters or epistles to the church. Um, he wrote three of them, and the first one's like five chapters, and then you know, it gets smaller and smaller till like you get to the third one is just like one chapter long. But we're in the first one. Uh, and um, let me let me just ask, has anybody been reading it at home with us as we journey through it? 
Um, I would encourage you to be reading along with us as you go through it and, you know, maybe read through the, 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 the whole book, you know, once a week and then maybe take a few minutes each day to look at the section that's coming up from where we've uh, where we left off the previous Sunday, because um, it's as we read it ourselves and as we study it, and as we just spend time with it, that we really get to absorb what God wants us to uh, receive from it. So, you know, let your spirit ruminate on it, you know, just keep going over and over. If maybe there's a verse that stands out. Just ask questions about it. You know, Lord, what do you want me to see? And, and who's this referring to? And, how, you know, just different questions about the verse. And then, you know, just sit with it a little while and see what God has for you in it. Now, as we've been going through this, we've talked about three key themes, and I'll be mentioning these three themes every week because I want us to begin to get these in our mind so that as we read through the book, we can start to recognize, aha, okay, that's one of those themes, that's one of those themes, and that's how we get more familiar with the book. And you know what's going to happen as we do this now? Then in a few years from now, you're reading the book, and all of a sudden, it'll, you'll see, oh, yeah, I remember about that. That's, that's coming back to me. So it helps us to not just hear it with our ears, but get it in our hearts. So those three th themes, the incarnation of Christ, the incarnation of Christ, that in the incarnation, God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So the incarnation, that's the first theme. The second one is he talks a lot about our love for our brothers and sisters, especially those who are in need, but our love for our brothers and sisters. Uh, he talks about that's a key theme in this book. And then the third one is the relationship that between sin and those who are children of God, and as kind of an uh, extension of that, how we can know if we're really children of God. So that relationship between sin and children of God and how we can know if we're really God's children and so forth. So those are the three things. Look for them. As you read it at home, write down maybe, you know, every time you see one of those themes. Today we're going to cover a fairly large chunk of uh, uh, chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 12 and go through tw verse 27. Now, we're not getting every little detail in this. We don't have time for that, but we are uh, going to, you know, get the, the main things as we go through this chunk. So first, let me start out just by reading through it. So stick with me on this, and then we'll start picking it apart and drawing out what, what God has for us this morning. Starting in verse 12, John writes, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love, uh, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, 
This is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But as you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that, you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. and You do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and, that is his, and that, as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just it is as it has taught you, remain in him. Whew. Long one, isn't it? Okay, I titled this message, Knowing Where You Stand, because as John writes to the church, he, he, it's clear that he wants them to be clear where they stand in three areas. Remember, he is writing, we've, we've talked about this, he is writing to do damage control concerning false teachers who had been among them and had come in and had, had sown seeds of doubt and seeds of discord in the church. They had enticed several people away from the truth by spreading false teachings. And the aftermath of something like that, that, that you know, taking place, as it, often, you know, as it often does, it leaves a sea of confusion in its wake. You know, it's like, well, what's, re- what's really true? What's, what's, what isn't? What's true? What isn't? What, you know, but, you know, some of those people, they, they were my friends. Are they really wrong? Could I be wrong? Does it really matter? Does what they say or what I've been taught, does it really matter? Can, can't we just all love each other and get along? I mean, it, 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 it leaves in its wake a sea of confusion. Uh, and we see the same thing happening in the, in the big C church today. Um, there are those that are holding tightly to the doctrine that they've been taught, the orthodox doctrine that's been taught throughout the centuries. I mean, there are some things that are peripheral, but then there's that orthodox doctrine that's been taught throughout the same things, been taught throughout the centuries. The church is held, tight, held tightly to, while others are bending to accommodate to current so- societal norms. We're not talking about stylistic differences like, you know, style of music, what the worship service looks like, whether it's a formal liturgical service, a casual service, uh, uh, or um, uh, what's the word I want? Not meditative, uh, but uh, contemplative service. I mean, there's all of that across the body of Christ, and it's all good. 
No one's style has the corner on the market. You know, we don't have it. Nobody else does. It's all good is because style is not what matters. You know, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about things that have eternal consequences for people's souls. We're talking about the arrogance of telling God that, well, you know, that was then, this is now, and um, we know better than you now. You know, we've advanced, you know, beyond those things. And, and you know, so John writes to assure the church that they are, in fact, standing in the truth, and it does matter. Okay, so as we look at this passage, we see three areas where it's important to know where we stand. And, and first of these, John wants them and us to know that uh, it wants us to know where we stand in terms of relationship. And this is, you know, verses 11 to 14. This is where we stand in terms of relationship. He wants to combat the falsehoods that have been circulating in the community and clear up any doubts or confusion that they may be dealing with. So he assures them of the genuineness of their faith and of their relationship to the Father. He starts off by calling them dear children. That's John's favorite term for addressing the church. His favorite way of addressing the church is dear children. He's talking to the church as a whole. Then he specifically addresses two groups, fathers and young men. But we need to realize that as he's addressing them, He's still addressing the whole church. He's not just speaking to and about the fathers. He's not just speaking to and about, you know, the young men. Um, he's still talking to the whole church. He's not excluding the others. What he says applies to everyone. The reason he addresses them, we need to understand, is not to exclude anyone else, but because they in particular needed to hear what he was saying. There was something going on where, okay, they need to know I'm talking to them. I'm talking to everybody else, but specifically they need to know I'm talking to them. That's why he does that, not to, you know, say, okay, everybody else can check out now because I'm not talking to you. I'm only talking to this group. He's still talking to everybody. And he says four things. One, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. That's assurance at the most basic level. Don't worry about, you know, your, your, your sins, whether or not they've been forgiven. You know they've been forgiven, and I'm giving you that assurance. And they've been given, forgiven, they've been forgiven for good. So that's the first thing. Second thing, he assures them, you know God. You know God. Don't let anyone else who brings in some strange teaching put doubts in your head about your relationship to God because you know him. Don't let anybody say, well, or put doubts and say, well, am I really a Christian? Do I really believe? You know, when you know God, you know God. And he's assuring them of that. We spend all our time and energy wondering whether or not we're really a Christian. We'll never accomplish anything for God. We can know and we can be certain. And he's giving assurance of this. Third, John says, you're strong. You're strong through the word of God that lives in you. Later in the letter, John says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Some of us don't know how strong we are. We have a strength that we need to recognize, that we need to realize, we need to be confident in, and we need to walk in. We are strong. So don't let the enemy intimidate you into thinking that you are weak. 
Don't let the enemy intimidate you into thinking that he's stronger than you. Because greater is he who's in you. Greater is the Holy Spirit in you than the spirit that's in the world. Don't let culture intimidate you into buying into a false worldview in a false system of beliefs. Get your worldview from God not from culture. Get it from the Bible, not from, from what others are saying or what is, po- what is uh, uh, popular. Uh, sorry, my mind went blank. It does that sometimes. You can stand for truth. You can stand strong. And then last he says, you have overcome the evil one. You have overcome. You already have the victory in Jesus. It was won on the cross. So walk in what's already yours. Walk in the confidence and the boldness that is yours in Christ, not the doubt and the timidity that the enemy tries to put on you. We've not been given a spirit of fear that is what the Apostle Paul writes. We've not been given a spirit of fear or of timidity, as one translation says, but of power and love and sound mind, or another translation, self-discipline. We need to walk in the spirit that we've been given, not the one that somebody tries to put on us. All of these have to do with our relationship to God through Christ. That's the reason our sins are forgiven. That's, you know, we know God through Jesus and only through him and not through some kind of secret knowledge or or anything else that, that some were saying at that time. Our strength comes from our relationship with Christ and through him we overcome the enemy. And it's all because of the relationship we have with God. He never wants us to doubt that relationship. And I would say most people here, if I would ask for a show of hands, would say we've doubted that at some point. We've said, does God really love me? I know the Bible says he loves the world, but does he really love me? With all my faults, all my sin, all my failings, All of it. Does he really love me? Yes, he does. We don't need to ask those questions of ourselves. All right, second thing we need to know is where we stand in terms of our affections. In other words, what or who has captured your heart? Verse 15 to 17 says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, we need to clarify something here. I just said God loves the world. And this says, do not love the world, or the love of the Father is not in you. We need to clarify that when John says, do not love the world, he's not talking about people. He's not talking about not loving people that are outside of his family. We are to love. We've talked about that before and often, that we are to love everyone. We are to love the, our, our, the church. We are to love our neighbor. We are to love our enemies. 
No one is excluded. We are to love every single person. So when he's saying do not love the world, he's not talking about people. He's talking about the world system. John warns us that we cannot love this world system, the things of this world, and love God at the same time because this world system is opposed to God. The world system is under the influence of the ruler of this world who is Satan. So the question is, who do we align ourselves with? The ruler of this world or God? It's Satan's influence in the world that produces the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The one that tells you that you need everything that God says, no, you don't really need that. I've got something better for you. It's the world system that gets our eyes off of Jesus onto everything else. To put it another way, all sensual and sexual sin, all covetousness and greed, all arrogance and selfish pride, those are all the result of Satan's influence in this world. And that's diametrically opposed to the life of purity, contentment, and humility that God wants for us. So where's your heart? What is it that brings you the most joy, the most contentment, the most peace? Where do your affections lie? Are your decisions, beliefs, and values, are they influenced more by what God wants and says in his word or by what is currently popular in our culture? Things that change. Third area John wants us to be assured of is where we stand in terms of beliefs. And he's talking about doctrine. Doctrine just means teachings, okay? A lot of Christians don't know what they believe or why they believe it. This was written at a time when Gnosticism was just starting to gain ground in the church. Gnostics claimed that they were privy to secret knowledge that was only available to a privileged few, only available to this certain group. And that was one of the things John was addressing here because these false teachers were teaching that they had access to secret knowledge and had led many astray. That's what he's, one of the things he's addressing in this, in this letter. They claimed to know things that the other believers didn't know, and they were enticing people away from the true faith community with their claims of secret knowledge. And you can imagine how this works. I mean, what, do you, what is your reaction when somebody comes up to you and lets you know, and we can do it in all spiritual ways, but lets you know, I know something that you don't know. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, yo, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't. What does that create in you? All of a sudden it's like, tell me, I want to know. That's what our flesh does, right? But it's no. And, 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 and so it's that kind of thing. When somebody comes along, I've got a secret to the real spiritual life. I've got a secret that um, you just study this thing. You just do this over here. Come over to our group and you'll know You'll really know God because we've, we're in tune with him. 
everybody else just there there's just base knowledge that we're really in tune and that stuff does go on today um in fact we're seeing a, a rise in it um so john writes to counteract those those uh teachings the gnostic teachings and 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 you know the false teachers and so john wants to assure the church that they are standing in the truth okay he says but you have the anointing from the holy one and all of you know the truth i do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth he says you do know the truth that's why he's writing to them. He says, you do know the truth. Don't listen to the false teachers. They're lying, and they're not, they're, they're, they're not of God, because God is truth. He says, remain in the truth. Hold on to it. Be intentional about it. Be certain of it. That which you, And when he says, that which we have heard from the beginning, he's referring this is the apostolic declaration. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that we've waited for all of these years. He is the Son of God come in the flesh. That's what the apostles declared. That's, that's the, what we have heard from the beginning. of the, uh, uh, It's the beginning of the gospel. That's what we've heard. Hold on to that and don't lose that. So when someone comes in and trying to, to teach you know, some new revelation. We need to look at how it aligns with what the apostles taught because there's a lot of things being taught today that fail that test. A lot of things being taught today that sound good to the human ear, but they can't be found in the Word of God or they are directly contrary to what is found in the Word of God. And, and somebody might come along trying to do some spiritual wrangling or twisting of verses to make it appear that way, but you just can't find it really in Scripture. Um, so John challenges them to remain in the truth, and then John warns them about those who are trying to sway them from the truth, this group of false teachers that have gone out. Uh, he says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now, those we said were trying to sway them from the truth, which they knew from the beginning, trying to put doubt in their mind, Kind of like the serpent with Eve in the garden. Did God really say this? You know, kind of like that. Um, these teachers were operating from a counterfeit anointing, a wrong spirit. And John assures the church community that they have an anointing in them from the Holy Spirit who lives in them. They don't need someone else to come along and teach something contrary from what they've received from the beginning. Now, what this does not mean it does not mean that we don't need teachers in the church. God gave us teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the church for the work of the ministry, okay? He gave us teachers. Teaching is a, there's a spiritual gift of teaching. It's not saying we don't need teachers in the church. It's saying, you know, you know the truth in this. Don't let somebody else come along and try to teach you something different 
that is different from what you have heard from the beginning. The truth which you've received from the beginning, from the Holy Spirit who lives in you, you don't need someone else teaching you something contrary to that. And the truth that they received from the beginning, as we said, was that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, not just a good person, not just a great teacher, not just a miracle worker. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. That's the truth. Verses 22 and 23, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Believing that, believing that truth is not just agreeing with the statement. I'm going to wrap up with this. It's not just agreeing with the statement. It means ordering our lives according to its truth. As we talked about earlier, it means surrendering our wants, surrendering our desires, surrendering our entire beings to his will and his plan. I invite you to join me in a prayer of surrender right now. Lord Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. I proclaim that with my whole heart. I'm surrendering my wants to you. I'm surrendering my desires to your will. I'm surrendering my entire being to your will and to your plan. I want what you want. I want your will. Whether it's in agreement with the things I want or contrary to them, Lord, ultimately I want your will in my life. So I surrender myself to you and I ask you to lead me. Lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Prepare for your hearts for the benediction. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's able to keep you blameless. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God bless you. Go out and have a great week, and remember, you carry his presence wherever you go. God bless you.